From this discussion, you'll get a peek behind the curtain. The idea behind building a monopoly out of nothing with no money invested is driven on the back of a book that I encountered written by Peter Thiel. You'll find out how to design your business to address your market in such a way that you end up having the only company of its type. This is Digital Bacon FM. Yes, it is. And of course, it's top of the hour, 10 o'clock, joined on the line by marketing maestro, gym guru, man of the brain, the slice of a planet. Good morning, Mr. Barnes. I'm not quite sure who you were talking about, Mr. Black. That well, I was talking about me, and then that was your cue to come in and say, of course I knew I was talking to you. Oh, no, sorry, I didn't realise. <laughs> of course I was talking about you. Guess. No, you see, I spent oh. three hours talking about myself, and then I can give you 10 seconds as an introduction. So I'm quite happy to share that with you. How are you doing today? I'm very good, sir. I'm very good. Uh, yeah, it's Friday, 4 o'clock, uh, usual story for me. My weekend begins after I finish this session with you. Yay! Excellent. Now, today, we're going to be starting a little bit of a series, something that you've been working on for some time, uh, both online in terms of videos and, of course, your written content, how to create your own monopoly with very little money invested. Start at the beginning. I think let's define really what a monopoly is. Okay, so the idea behind uh, building a monopoly from nothing with no money invested is um, driven um, on the back of uh, readings that I encountered um, from a guy called Peter Thiel, who's one of Silicon Valley's uh, most famous venture capitalists. He was a co-founder of PayPal, for example, mm. uh, Palantine. Now, he was one of the, I think he was the first external investor in Facebook. Um, so he wrote a book a three years ago called Zero to One, mm-hmm. and uh, Zero to One basically sets out a phenomenon that is occurring as a result of the connection economy, where uh, today there isn't a business that you could suggest exists in the guise that uh, uh, a business will exist um, that's designed to address a particular marketplace in a particular way uh, and do it in in such a fashion, in an all-encompassing fashion, that um, essentially you go from a situation where there was nobody doing that kind of business to there being only one person or one entity, one company, one organization doing that business. Mm. Uh, and that's where he talks about zero to one. So in essence, there you could say that Facebook was zero to one because there was no such thing as social networking that you would um, – sorry, social media uh, um, – uh, and, and social networking, in actual fact, that you would uh, have identified as a modern-day Facebook mm. uh, 10 years ago. Uh, so, yes, there were a few parties having a stab at it, but nobody really doing it in the way that uh, Facebook went on to be successful uh, there too. Um, so there, you had a situation where no business existed and now you've only got one and you've got a monopoly. So that's the basic idea. Now, do you um, do you now, think do you think it's easier to create a monopoly in a connection economy rather than an industrial one? Oh yeah. So well, that, that, that you see that, that that's the million dollar issue. 
the fact is that the connected economy is what's going to happen to us for the very, very foreseeable future. It could be, you know, hundreds of years we could be uh, in this, this, this thing called the, uh, the connection economy. We're in the agrarian economy for a very, very long time before the Industrial Revolution came along. And then the Industrial Revolution set in and we had, what, 150, 180 years of that. And now we're kicking into the connection economy and it's all going to change over the next, you know, well, it's changing every day, in fact. But uh, sort of sweeping change you'll see in the course of the next 10, 10, 20, 30 years, life will be very different as a result of the way the Internet sinks it's in, itself into the fabric of what we're all about. Mm. Um, but, yeah, the connection economy is the, is the exact enabler. And if you look at the modern businesses that are all getting into, you know, the connection economy in their DNA, as it were, they're all essentially uh, – putting themselves into the position where there's potentially only ever going to be one provider that does what they do because that's the natural order of the day. Um, we've seen in certain markets like Uber are the only, uh, the only sort of ride-hailing service that, uh, uh, that you, know, you, you would, you would uh, you'd find because uh, the barriers to entry for anybody else to come into those particular geographies are uh, too high and Uber's done an all-encompassing job. Do you, do and you look at Airbnb, for example, they have done similar things in terms of, um, you know, creating that, uh, uh, you know, the ability to use your spare accommodation as a, as a guest house type thing. Mm. That didn't exist 10 years ago. And yeah. uh, so anyway, the, the, the upshot of that is that if you do something interesting in your market space that's presently being served 100% in an industrial economy, guys, and you then deliver a, a completely new way of solving those problems and achieving those jobs to be done, albeit this time using the dynamics of the connection economy and not the industrial economy, and you do it first, and you do it in a way that essentially puts up the barriers to entry for latecomers on the scene to put them off from really trying because you've come too far along, mm. you, you eventually end up with a, a, a pseudo, a pseudo, if not a de facto monopoly. Now, uh, and that's what's been happening with us in Hong Kong immigration. The, the thing that concerns me with, with the creation of a, a monopoly, and if you have a look at the likes of Spotify, as you mentioned, Uber, Facebook, uh, and the barriers to entry, it looks like it's always the people that are first to market and who do it properly that will always own the market. What we don't have in a in a Western society is, say, the controls that China have, for example, where they are keeping out uh, those monopolies and then creating their own. So WeChat, for example, and other platforms that do the same things as other uh, as sort of Western platforms, for lack of a better word to describe it, uh, don't get a foot in the door. So then would you say well, that monopolies yeah. could then be concentrated in uh, countries or domains just because of regulation? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, well, mon 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 monopolies can can go down as far as the uh, the exact ed edges of the niche. Uh, and the niche is comprised of many different things, not least the subject matter, but mm. also geography, um, cultural language, this kind of stuff. So, you know, the opportunity to create a monopoly is, is no, we're not talking about monopolies over every, over the whole world, mm. you know, like, like Facebook have done, you know, with uh, billions of users. You can create, as we are doing, a monopoly in your own particular niche, market of 25,000 people in Hong Kong. Mm. Essentially, the way we've positioned ourselves, we're, um, uh, you know, we're the first two, we're the go-to guys, anything to do with Hong Kong immigration. We've essentially created you know, a monopoly in that fashion. Mm. So, so, yeah, you can create a monopoly uh, as deep or as wide or as shallow 
uh, or as narrow as as the niche actually represents itself and your ability to actually deliver value to that uh, to that tribe that uh, that's in that niche now if you yeah. if you if you said you had a monopoly what market share do you think you would own to be able to say right we've monopolized well, this space i've 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 defined for myself i've defined a monopoly as being 50% market share okay by customers or dollars it makes no difference by by, by value basically okay all right um, and then obviously by having a monopoly and as you have always said, being the very best that uh, you are at in that particular space, that's probably the biggest barrier to entry of them all. Price and all of the other things make no difference. That's right. If you truly understand your customer and you develop an irresistible proposition, then uh, people will transact with you. Uh, and the, the, the genesis of all of that is relationships. Mm. So if you, can, um, if, you can, if you can create a relationship generating machine uh then you know people will gravitate towards you and you will then uh, have the opportunity if your proposition's done properly mm. to uh, uh consolidate those relationships into commercial outcomes what other examples of monopolies can you think of off the top of your head that we can relate to well, outside some- of um immigration or the spotify facebook etc okay so so two two that uh will come as a might come as a big surprise but uh, fish food, you know, food for um, uh, domestic fish, you know, the uh, ornamental fish that you have, mm. uh, or yeah, yeah. There's there's one supplier of that food in the world, only one supplier that makes fish food. Tetra. Wow, that makes fish food for ornamental thing. Yeah, they've completely and they've had that monopoly for well since I was a kid even, that's when I first learned about it, and it hasn't changed at all. They so dominated that channel and that um, uh, that niche that, that, that they just produce everything, and there's no, post, no point in anybody coming along trying to trying to uh, enter into that marketplace because they, they sunk themselves so deep into the fabric of that particular niche that uh, they, can't, uh, they can't be removed as long as they don't do anything stupid, right? Now, if so we that's, had... one, that's one example. Okay, if uh, we, sorry, if we had... anyone, another example? Yeah, no, if we had to just dwell on that one for a second, if you say it's been around for a long time and they are the sole supplier of a certain product, I would say that they're probably still industrial economy centric. Would there be any? Oh yeah, they've no need to change. No but need that was going to, to be change. my question: Is there a need, or how would they then move into a connection economy, or just bollocks to that? They carry on doing what they're doing for the next two hundred years as long as there's fish. Well, 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 they're doing what? Yeah, point. They're doing what they're doing, <laughs> but they, but, 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 no doubt they will be looking to. They will be naturally inquiring as to what this thing, the internet, is all about to try and increase, you know, online sales. Mm. So they're in phenomenal knowledge of the of the domain and. Uh, uh, and and you know, the interests of the people that uh, they sell their stuff to suggests to me that they've probably you know developed some web presence now that is the definitive go-to place um, on the internet that got anything to do with these the, the little critters that their, their feed uh, uh, their food feeds as it mm. were so so if I were if I were that business that's what I'd be looking at. Uh, conversely, of course, if I were not that business and I wanted to go into that business and I wanted to use the connection economy in that fashion, dynamics of the connection economy, to go after that market, um, then and I got a product that was just as good as the uh, as, as the as the sole provider, uh, then I would you know develop an internet proposition around. Uh, 
a smaller subspecies of that tribe competes against non-consumption, look to see what their needs are and supply uh, whatever their needs are. They're not properly being supplied. Mm. Uh, and then use that as an opportunity to uh, to sell them food, fish food and, uh, and steal a march on the, on the, mono- on the industrial economy of monopolies this way. So, but I don't know where that company is because I haven't researched it recently. I just know that there is that single uh, supplier, but I don't know what their online presence is all about right now. So as, as an example, if you wanted to take away a little bit of their market share, you would have a look at what they do, how they do it. And then if you were located in San Francisco or California, for just an example, and of course, just to be a little bit humorous, you would look at some sort of organic, healthy alternate to the same product, because that would be really the no, only way I, you could compete no. with them? No, no. What I do is I, I try and find, like, let's say... Um, the most expensive ornamental fish that uh, you know falls within, say, the lower price bracket. Um, what I'd do is I'd look to see on the internet what the content was out there that dealt with that particular fish uh, from a from a uh, you know hobbyist perspective. Uh, and then what I do is I develop the world's best content uh, on that particular fish. You know, breeding them, feeding them, uh, keeping them intellectually stimulated. <laughs> Playing you know, Mozart. Uh, the best, the, the best. Well, yeah, the best form of, um, uh, you know, the best for, form of sort of a swimming environment for them, and all the rest of that good stuff. I get down so deep into the knowledge uh, base of the uh, of that species and produce the world's best content on it. And then I would I'd look at the uh, the formulation of the of the food that uh, is best to serve those particular fish, um, and then I'd deliver that particular formulation, and then put a whole lot of content that explains why that formulation is far better than um, uh, not far better, but, but is, is is ideally formulated for those particular that particular critter, mm. uh, and uh, and then and, and, and then like that subspecies that that sub collection of uh, of people that are interested in that particular fish contribute to the dialogue and the debate about it mm. build a build a tribe around that uh, and then and then ever so slowly build uh, take my way out of that tribe and move it you know more widely into the um uh, into the into the niche and uh, and then begin to dominate the internet in a way that the industrial economy players won't be able to dominate okay. so then the industrial economy players will carry on with their route to market and all this the stuff that they've got you know through their distributors and whatever and, and that kind of business suggests to me that there's always going to be a, a bricks and mortar component to distribution because the fish at the end of the day and water and they've got to be mm. you know they've got you know it's terra firma activity rather than uh, the internet type activity mm. so so you, you're not going to come along come along and, and build a monopoly uh, out of uh, that uh, that niche replace one monopolist with another overnight uh, and i suspect that the industrial economy monopolist in that situation will have something to say about that and come in with a very large check uh, and take you out early on anyway so you win whichever you know whichever road you take mm. um but yeah that's the uh, that's that's the approach that i take in that particular example okay now you mentioned the second monopoly we probably wouldn't fathom Yes, yeah. I mean, I think something like 85 or 90% of the world's market share for uh, eyeglasses mm. and op- uh, and high street retail level optical services are all owned by one Italian company. Mm. Yeah, I'd seen that some time ago. I don't know if it was one or two, um, but they pretty much dominate the world. All yeah, brands absolutely. they Absolutely. Yeah, every and, brand. That's correct. And is that just because they've invested heavily in design and manufacture, and the barrier to entry for somebody to come uh, along and uh, steal a march on them is just too much money? No, I think 
No, I think no. What they've what they've done is strategic. They, they've they've been obviously their their origins. They were very strong in what they do. So they then incrementally moved out of that. I don't know what their origins were. Their origins may have been actually grinding the glass. Yeah, that went into the frames. I, I don't know. But for argument's sake, let's say that's what their origins were. So they'd have started off, you know, in that guy's when the engineering capability was available cost-effectively, say, 80 years ago. Uh, and over the years, they've, they've just slipped themselves into a logical adjacencies, a distribution and manufacturing of frames, so they buy up manu- frame manufacturers and all their design teams. And, and just the entire value chain that exists in that particular niche, over time, they've gone and they've acquired the businesses and, uh, and rolled them all up and, uh, and have basically become monopolists. Mm. So it's kind of it's a great place to be in, right? You think about the number of people who have, uh, have eyewear needs uh, around the world, and uh, you've got uh, 80% of that number of that business just comes to you and of course it's repeat business because the damn things wear out and your eyes need testing every couple of well, years yeah, I've, less, got, right? I've got a drawer full of different frames different uh, glass, sunglasses so yeah I know the pain every time I get my eyes checked I've got probably 10 pairs of different frames which means I need to pick the ones that I really like wearing and only change them uh, because yeah. you're costing a fortune now you know, uh, yesterday I bought myself a Fitbit, or I was very lucky, actually, Gulu picked up a Fitbit for me on the way back through from Durban. Um, and I wanted to ask you something about how the internet works. We've spoken about marketing, et cetera, et cetera. Now, I like watching CNN, um, but I watch CNN um, on uh, uh, the American version on my laptop. And last night, the screen was surrounded by adverts for Fitbit. I kid you not. For Fitbits for sale from a variety of different providers in South Africa. And obviously, I'd done one Google search looking for Fitbits, which one to get based on your recommendation and other ones that were out there. And all of a sudden, I was bombarded with advertising for Fitbits. Absolutely incredible how intrusive it is. Yeah, 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 that's right. And so the, the the key the, the key there is to do your do your Google searches, but, but make sure you're not logged into Google. Yeah, um, and then the other thing that I wanted to to mention is watching CNN, obviously based in America. You get to see the advertising they do, and all of the companies that they have that advertise that you wouldn't think exist. There's one company that uh, if anything breaks at your house, be it your TV, be it your mobile phone, you phone them within 25 minutes, they come around and fix it. That, it's just amazing business. A, a, amazing. And another one, there's two companies that compete for advertising that sort of fix mini disasters at your house. So the plumbing goes upstairs, it comes through the roof, and uh, yet yeah, within half an hour they're there, they fix all of your problems and make it good. Uh, just just so so different um you know well, so- yeah because what 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 you see what yeah, yeah what essentially what these businesses are doing is that they're, they're realizing that people have got jobs to be done hmm. and so they've developed their proposition around the job to be done rather than the organization of the profession that's to deliver the solution so you know what of course when you're um uh when you when when your oven doesn't work your electric oven doesn't work you're thinking, okay, what's the problem? Who do I who do I call to come and fix to get to come and fix this? Is this an electrician problem? Is it a consumer a white consumer goods problem? I don't know what it's all about. At the end of the day, what you want is somebody to come and fix it, right? Absolutely. So you just want to get that job to be done. So if there's somebody out there that says, "Hey, I can do that job," mm. then you're going to get you're going to get them in. Mm. And the other the other thing that struck me is the number of apps that they market 
that do similar things. So they've got, uh, I, I can't remember, somebody's list or something like that. And then they've got another one that basically has a load of repairmen in your area that get reviewed. They get, uh, you know, that all of the customers that use their services review them. It's just so good, you know. They've taken that old thing that you always used to have by the telephone when you need a plumber, when you need an electrician, you need that. They've put it into an app and... On top of that, you know, they're using a community uh, to say, right, this one's good, this one's not so good, and everybody lives by that sword, you know. So basically, like, restaurants are are having reviews, so now to do uh, service providers. It's actually very clever. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's always a role for um, small businesses like that to seek to consolidate information and deliver user experience access of information when they... Um, are needing to uh, solve whatever problems that are taken to the information in the first place. There's always going to be a role for uh, for the consolidation of that kind of information and packaging it up. Know? Mm. So it, it's natural order of the day because it mimics human behavior, right? I need to get quick solutions to things, know where to begin to find that solution when you get there, be able to have trust and confidence in the decision that you're making because you get the opportunity to engage in social proof and see what other people's dealings have been with the people that you're about to uh, you know, take a risk with. So, yeah, that's just um, mirroring uh, very human behavior and uh, it's, the, uh, it's definitely the order of the day and the way of the future. Now, what was the light bulb moment for you and your business that you said, actually, I have a monopoly on my hands here? That's a great question. Um, I wrote it down. I found it in a book. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think there was a light bulb moment as such. There was a series of aware of awakenings, right? So the first, the first message that I had that uh, my approach to doing this was by the year 2000 when I'd first written the Hong Kong Visa Handbook um, couldn't get it published in the traditional fashion because my publisher had gone bankrupt using the Asian financial crisis uh, coinciding with the uh, advent of the World Wide Web I put put my first version of the book on the on the internet. I went on to dominate all the early search engines, and it was a making of me. So, so by by the year two thousand, um, you know, I'd kind of learned the lesson that if you put if you showcase your expertise on the internet, you package it in such a way that's designed to help people answer questions and solve problems. Then, you know, you can create relationships. So, so that was the the kind of the first awareness that I had that there was there was, there was something in the dynamic uh, that was going on at that time, that time that went on to become the connection economy uh, but I, we didn't call it that then and we didn't recognize it as that then we were just you know basically industrial economy with with this newfangled thing called the internet bolted on and uh, people were still trying to figure out what it was all about so that was awareness the, the, the first key awareness um so then when it came time 10 years later to rewrite the hong kong visa handbook and start the hong kong visa center business um the internet had moved on in that decade and I had to go off and do all the research and started to sort of, you know, arrive at the conclusions that my intellectual heroes and others were sort of, you know, leading me to, which was that in uh, a phenomenon like the internet where there's a level playing field and everybody in the world has got access to uh, to that technology and whatever that technology can deliver. If you... Um, go use you know the fact of that 
internet capability to your advantage by showcasing your knowledge and expertise and and just identifying what the what humanity's needs are out of the expertise that you've got and then manifesting all the solutions that um, that people will need to have access to uh, through that machine uh, you then not only dominate uh search over time where well, google recognize you for being the expert go-to resource for all the information in this particular niche um, but you also enjoy the uh fact that once you've created your relationship online possibly through your internet proposition then it, as long as you've acquitted yourself properly by understanding how your service should be rendered um, you create a massive word of mouth referral machine uh, and that you know then sort of self perpetuates and if you then adopt certain sort of techniques that are similar to the experience that you give stuff for free via the internet in say awful in an online environment in the offline environment with customers you know you surprise and delight them by you know helping them for free and they really don't expect it and once you've understood the circumstance anyway just treat people like they're you know with respect with normal as normal human beings if you kind of understand all of that uh which i came to understand after what four or five years of sort of you know doing what i was doing in in what was now the connection economy i think at that point i knew inexorably um, the proposition was going to be so compelling that people wouldn't really want to go anywhere else except for those particular individuals who like to have a choice of com a choice of providers or a choice of uh, parties that they can they can deal with mm -hmm. and those who specifically just don't have as much money as perhaps everybody else has or they're driven purely by budget they will need to you know source a provider that uh, that perhaps doesn't cost as much as us mm -hmm. so there's always that going to be in play which is why I always say that you know you can only ever claim 50% of the market which I think is true whether it's industrial economy or connection economy in the main mm -hmm. but that yeah having, having Having said that, yeah, all of those things made me kind of realize logically that eventually, uh, if you carried on in that fashion, um, you would just go on to become the only player that's worth dealing with. And uh, and that's what I've learned. And, and that's where it all really came about. So the, the movie Monopoly, just to sort of tie this back to, you know, what we're going to be doing over the next few weeks, the movie Monopoly is the story of the Hong Kong Visa Center and the journey that I went on, uh, essentially concluding that fact. Uh, and then I broke it down into um, basically 10 uh, ten sort of steps, ten, 10 learning experiences, uh, and uh, and put that into a fifteen minute video. So basically, the 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 life lessons that you you've learned over fifteen to eighteen years are now available for others to be able to do because you were at the forefront of it after the internet was just created. So you were still finding your way, then found it, created a strategy, and rolled it out. That's right, exactly, and that's what Monopoly from thirty-nine thousand feet is is basically tells that story because it's only fifteen minutes. Now, um, where would somebody go yeah. to see that? Um, you go to intelligentcontent.marketing, and it's all available for free as always. Yeah, fantastic, Stephen. Thank you very much. Let's catch up again next week. You have an absolutely awesome weekend, and we'll carry on learning about creating Monopoly with almost no right, money man. invested. Have a good one.
No, 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 it's not almost money. It's with no money invested. <laughs> How yes. to build a monopoly from nothing with no money invested. I'm sure I helped you work on that line, you know. We'll get it right on there, please. <laughs> you have a very good weekend. Take care. Digital Bacon FM. Join us in the next episode to find out about the history and logic behind Monopoly Planner. <laughs>